Hi everybody, I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, and this is a new episode of Tapis Rouge. Some of you were close to find out who today's guest is, but nobody did. Our amazing guest today is the one and only Bernard Petiot. Bernard is one of these people who literally built what the experience of working for Cirque du Soleil became over the years. He is a very important leader in Cirque du Soleil's history, and to say that the company owes him a lot would be an understatement. As you can imagine, he's a very busy man, and I got lucky enough to get 45 minutes to chat with him about his role and contribution to the company. So without further ado, the pillar, Bernard Petiot. Bernard, welcome to Tapis Rouge. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the invitation. How are you? Are you still in Montreal right now? No, I'm actually uh, in Charlevoix, the mm -hmm. beautiful uh, area of Charlevoix, which is up north of Quebec City, about a four-hour drive from Montreal. Nice. So, Bernard, you've been a very important figure in the history of Cirque du Soleil. You've had many roles and many positions over the year. Why don't you take us from the very beginning? How was your first introduction to Cirque du Soleil? How did your Cirque du Soleil adventure first start? Yeah, well, it started when Lynn Huard, uh, you know, got in contact with me and then she was, uh, actually they were, they were uh, working in the new environment at the uh, headquarter in Montreal. And uh, Lynn, as a previous knowledge of mine, because of uh, what we've done together in gymnastics, uh, preparing an Olympic uh, athlete, uh, and then we, are, we had parted in, you know, in between. She was looking to have someone who would take the leadership of the uh, uh, training studio in Montreal at the time. I was in transition. Uh, you know, I had stopped working in Montreal University, and I was, uh, you know, implementing a, a coach uh, coaching development program at the uh, National Multi Sports Center mm -hmm. uh, at the uh, Complex Claude Rabillard. And basically, you know, sort of a, uh, not being bored, but looking at some, you know, new challenges. So uh, she uh, offered uh, me to, you know, to, you know, sort of have a meeting. I thought that she, you know, wanted to, for me to go back to coaching, which was not, you know, uh, an option for me. You know, I had done coaching for more than 20 years and, mm -hmm. you know, I was really in a transition, a career transition. And um, basically, she offered me to take the leadership of uh, the uh, uh, training studio in Montreal. So what does that entitle, to be in charge of all the training, all the creations, everything at the studio? Not all of the creation at the time. It was more to set up a, you know, a, a, a structure and a support system that would allow okay, uh, to uh, support creation from, from a you know, medical perspective, from a coaching perspective, and so on, all of the, uh, you know, education program or training program, actually, mm -hmm. that was uh, intended for a new creation, as well as setting up uh, all of the training support and medical support and uh, risk management support for, uh, you know, the shows already in operation. Mm -hmm. Who were looking for, you know, artists to uh, transit from their background uh, to say to, to Soleil. So um, the offer was quite challenging considering, I mean, the reputation of, of Sick at the time and, and all of the shows actually in mm -hmm. operation plus the new creation 
creation uh, that were part of the uh, upcoming list of creation. At that time, how many shows were in operation and like what shows were in creation? If I remember well, actually, we had, you know, throwing shows and then we had shows in Vegas at the same time. O was in creation at the time. O was in creation, okay. Creation at the time and it was almost to be delivered. So, uh, you know, more than seven, eight shows actually were up and running. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the calendar of creation was quite high, and touring shows in creation and then, and then resident shows as well. So, you know, not only the reputation, but the offer was quite exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, you know, a big change for me in terms of, uh, you know, the professional opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, I met uh, I met Lynn, I met uh, Manga, I knew at the time who was, uh, you know, HR uh, uh, VP. Uh, and then I ended up going to uh, Vegas with Lynn, you know, to see uh, basically uh, the last the stretch of creation for O when I met the Gilles at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I remember, well, the meeting was quite... Uh, Quite interesting. Uh, so Jim sat down and said, "Okay, so, so when do you start?" You know, <laughs> so, not even going through what I thought would be an interview or something. You know, in terms of dialogue and discussion. But I guess, I guess uh, Gilles was, uh, uh, you know, had done his own work, and then, uh, you know, basically uh, he was expecting for me to start the next day. <laughs> So you really arrive in a moment of excitement, like the company was booming. It was a million different projects happening at the same time. Everything was growing very fast. And you arrive in your mandate for you to like, okay, give us structure and organization within all that crazy energy that's going down the pipe. Yeah, but a very special moment because it was the last sort of the last uh, run uh, alliance then for uh, O. Uh, and then all of the previous line then didn't work. Well, I mean, that's as normally when you do information, they had stops and things like that. And then, so I was very, very fortunate actually to be in the uh, theater and that very special moment where, uh, you know, the, the show was run. And, and I remember, and I remember Fajil stepping on stage at the end and then, you know, both arms going up and then say, well, we did, we we did it. We did it. And, and, you know, for whoever has seen, oh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really a piece of art, but a very complex piece of art. And, uh, you know, having the show running, you know, from beginning to the end, nonstop, uh, you know, was, was, you know, an incredible achievement. Mm-hmm. And it showed, you know, uh, you know, how the, the strength of the strength of the uh, production uh, group and the creative group. Uh, I was stunned. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, you know this show, you know, marvelous masterpiece, mm-hmm. which which gave me also an indication of what was expecting in terms of uh, delivery from my part. If I was mm-hmm. the head, uh, you know, the uh, training studio in Montreal. So. Uh, Returning from that trip, and I accepted the job, and then I, I, I started in October uh, the same year. You know, my attitude was to say, well, okay, let's go one step at a time, meet people, understand who they are, talk with them, look at 
you know, their point of view, their perception of where we should be going and what were the main issues. I, I thought it would be the best strategy to do because, uh, you know, I had to respect who uh, were already in place, what they've achieved, okay, uh, in order to take it from that point of that point and then push it a little bit further. So that was the uh, the introduction. So then I started as senior director of the the studios, which uh, included at the time the technician, okay, and then all of the uh, coaches staff, artistic and acrobatic, and all of the medical. Okay, also a lot of different departments to manage. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big group, and then I I did you know this leadership for quite a while for at least uh, actually four years mm-hmm. and then when uh, Lynn Hewards stepped down okay then I had the um, costume added on in my file really <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which was which was uh, you know a huge huge big challenge for me and uh, you know I did that for, for a year year and a half and then I sat down again with Mark Daniel and I said to Mark, I said, Mark, if you, if you want to take the best out of me, I, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, the costume is an appropriate option for the company. <laughs> so I think it, w- it would be better if I concentrate on the artist and, and on the whole environment actually uh, is created to uh, recruit them, to support them, to, uh, to ensure that we're supporting the creation from, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, a casting perspective and then mm-hmm. from a training perspective, as well as, you know, the existing, existing show. So basically, you know, Mac took that uh, and then made, you know, appropriate changes. And then I took vice presidency casting and performance. That's when I had, you know, the performance and the casting brought together. Uh, so I could concentrate and then put all of the necessary structures and program and people in place, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, to support creation from an acrobatic uh, design of performance, acrobatic design of equipment, and all of the casting and training okay, for creation, as well as for the shows in operation, all of the casting and then uh, training uh, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. If you take the period of like your first four years, what were the the changes and like the evolution that the company went through? Basically, at at the time, it was to look at merging the circus culture with some of the sport culture. So in other words, when you address performance, there are issues in terms of, you know, uh, physical performance, technical performance, and then all of the well-being and and, and sort of the uh, uh, mental state and, and sports psychology that goes around the performance was to provide all of these services, including nutrition, as example. Mm-hmm. So I ensured that, you know, I did not in or completely the sport model, but I imported the knowledge and the various practices that we could import in the circus environment, okay, to um, to train people and to uh, support performance. So this was my four year. Then after that, you know, when I took the VP position, then I extended and then I ensured to put in place, uh, you know, a good medical practice. Okay. So in other words, we had we had physio, but we needed to have also medical doctor counseling 
just to ensure that we had the best possible, we had the best practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we wouldn't put we wouldn't put the you know the athletes at risk. We wouldn't put uh, let's see the organization at risk uh, because of malpractice or things mm-hmm. that were not uh, you know appropriate from the medical perspective. And also we enlarge uh, you know our intervention uh, in in performance by including uh, you know mental preparation, uh, nutrition advice, mm-hmm. and all of the surrounding practices in terms of the training leading from, let's say, someone who, let's say, as an example, is coming from the trampoline world mm-hmm. and then would transit, let's say, to the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. This person, you know, up in the air is has no problem because that's his life. Mm-hmm. But understanding how this uh, piece works, how the leaderboard works, and then managing that transition was very important. So that's when we created this program that we call Afro-Artistic uh, Program, which was combination of artistic and acrobatic work uh, done at the same time with artistic people and then acrobatic coaches so that we would ensure that we were, pro- we were providing the full okay package of the learning experience that uh, you know any uh, new uh, performers mm-hmm. would uh, be at or at the same time we also had you know, you know musician we had dancer yeah. we had singers was it the birth of what was going to become the general formation and then the ppp now yeah yeah so that's so then we had this program the general training program that happened you know and so we had a group of people like 45 or 50 people coming and then spending four months and being exposed in, in various acrobatic, uh, circus acrobatic disciplines. Uh, and then uh, we would, you know, have a re- retainer for these people, mm-hmm. okay, for about a six-month retainer, uh, so that if then there would have some needs from the shows in operation, then we would have, you know, prepared uh, these people to uh, do a rapid switch, okay, from, uh, you know, the the moment that we cast them to the moment that they actually are uh, coming to a show and then actually uh, integrating or being onboarded to a show. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I ask you a, a question really quickly about them, that idea of merging the world of circus and sports and how was the response of the people already in place and how what was the impact on the company, on the show quality and everything? Well, I, I had to be patient, actually, because, you know, circus uh, people, you've know, got a circus professional, but you also had, you know, the culture of Cirque Soleil, and the culture of Cirque Soleil has its own, own culture, a little bit delinquent. So they were not necessarily uh, buying uh, the sport, uh, you know, processes and practices. Uh, however, with patience and demonstrating the value of it, in terms of injury prevention, in terms of performance enhancement, in terms of counseling and nutrition, counseling and mental preparation, you know, gradually it was inserted in, in the practice in Montreal. And it, it became an expectation so that mm-hmm. what we would put in place for an artist was a full package of, of experience and support. And, and that it could include that Okay, uh, in 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 their way to come from, you know, their previous world, which was mm-hmm. sport, by the by the way, for mm-hmm. most of them. Mm-hmm. If I exclude if I exclude the artists, uh, you know, dancers and singers and musicians and mm-hmm. clown, 
you know, they, when I came in, about 65% of the cast were, was coming from this poor environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can, you get, you get three big groups, you get the artistic group, okay, and dancers, singers, musicians, and, and I would put, you know, clowns and that, and that group. And then you had the circus professional coming up with an already made juggler, mm-hmm. as an example. And then you had the acrobats coming from the sport world, either men gymnastics, women gymnastics, uh, trampoline, diving, trampoline, diving, and so on. So for most of them who had been, you know, part of national team or leading to Olympics and so on, they were very happy. And, and really, we didn't have much to teach them in terms of their sport and their technique of the sport. What we had to teach them was to add an artistic layer to it. Mm-hmm. What we had to teach them was to, to uh, uh, take their acrobatic background and put that in a new environment. You know, I used that, uh, you know, your board is a, is a new piece for them, okay? So, so, so we had to teach them how to integrate their background in that within that new piece of equipment could be it uh, could be the board it could be you know mm-hmm. it could be uh you know uh russian swing or like russian swing and so on you know so they had to learn how to adapt to their uh, acrobatic background within this new piece of equipment while being safe mm-hmm. that was a key key word Okay, uh, you know, so I had to put, you know, processes that was ensuring steps and progressions that would ensure, uh, you know, safety of, mm-hmm. of the artist. Was Guy happy about the impact of this new structure? And like, I think Guy was looking at that from a distance. What he was happy mm-hmm. with was all of the casting quality and the training support that we were giving for new creation. Mm-hmm. And he was looking this, you know, from a distant perspective, uh, how we could support existing show by, you know, artist replacement, or the speed by which we would replace them, and the success of the replacement, mm-hmm. you know, so that they would come on stage. Uh, I would say uh, not totally prepared, but we had done, you know, at least seventy-five percent of the preparation, mm-hmm. okay, to eighty percent of the preparation. So the, the remaining was uh, to be done on on the site. And also, you know, at the time when I came in, um, when the program did not exist, there was a lot of failures, uh, either from an artistic perspective or from an injury perspective. So within about three weeks, okay, injuries would, would come come up and then you would lose, okay, uh, the replacement. So the, the success was twofold, was, you know, integrating within that, that artistic layer, but also was in terms of prevention of, of injury so that any replacement would come in and then we would have a lower rate of injury, which was also the intent. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk, the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, 
you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. And how did you manage them? the ever-growing phase of the company. Yeah, the, the volume actually, the volume became, became a, a, you know, a concern because, I mean, not only we had to uh, replace a big volume of artists from, uh, for the existing shows, okay? And then, but we also had, okay, to uh, present new talent and prepare new people for the new uh, uh, creation. So this was a huge challenge. So, so what we did uh, at that point is we, we sort of extended our wings outside. So instead of having people coming in to Montreal only, then we would have also uh, partners 
uh, outside Latin Europe, uh, uh, in Portugal, as an example, mm-hmm. or we had programs done in Ukraine at the time uh, with Artyom Badalian, where we would have people training over there so that they would, that they would do a pre-preparation before ending up in Montreal, either for a new act to be created Mm-hmm. Or for acts you know, to be replaced, Kidam is, is, is a good example in that post mm-hmm. we did in, in Ukraine. So we had, you know, these partners that we developed in various areas. Uh, so it extended our capacity. Mm-hmm. It looks like you were transforming the culture of the company, and then all of a sudden you extend your wing further. How did you communicate it? That was it. This partner were they only about training, getting the artists ready, or were they also about communicating the culture of the company and its new way of working? Yeah, and... yeah. It, was, it was, you know, creating those sort of, uh, let's say, work session or master uh, course sessions in various places where, uh, you know, we kept promoting the company, we kept promoting, you know, the job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, we also had, uh, you know, workshops that lasted for a certain duration of time. We did that in Portugal, as an example, uh, with a with a you know club over there, in aqua sport and other other discipline. Okay, so so we had our expert going in various places, uh, doing uh, promotion, doing um, sort of work session, or long term. Let's see. Uh, Uh, development programs, especially uh, in Ukraine with uh, Artyom Badalian mm-hmm. and uh, Zalevsky, mm-hmm. Zalevsky Center over there, okay, where we could, you know, have a group training, let's say, for four months mm-hmm. over there before coming to Montreal, which, which in fact, at the time, these strategies helped us to uh, create new act mm-hmm. or do a big group training as a replacement of an existing act. Uh, uh, as I said, you know, uh, uh, the uh, Kidam uh, uh, Acrosport Act mm-hmm. is, yeah. is, is, a, is, a, is a good one that, uh, that we've done over there. Yeah. So, so basically, what with the reputation increased uh, over time, the sport community understood, okay, that It became, you know, professional uh, possibilities for athletes to go to Stade So then it, it became more harmonized. And also, parallel to that, I've worked with the International Gymnastic Federation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and then I, I did many presentations, and I had, you know, an exchange of partnership also with the with the International Gymnastic Federation, which, in fact also sent a, a positive uh, uh, message uh, at the FIG and the uh, basically yeah, the International Gymnastic Federation was looking at this career transition as a positive avenue mm. for uh, some of their uh, of the athletes, the national team member, who maybe did not end up at the Olympics, okay, but were, uh, you know, invested maybe eight to 10 years in development in gymnastics and mm-hmm. had nothing at the end. So, so we, we became somehow perceived as sort of the number one employer. And that influenced also other circuits, you know, around the world. Mm-hmm. And circuits, circuits in Montreal, let's see, uh, Eloi is an example, it's the Bois de la Main is an example. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. In the way of like for athletes to, 
transition into circus. You may not to like even yeah. athletic coach yeah. to think like, oh, I can also coach at circus school and I can bring the love, the technical level, acrobatic level higher. Yeah. Yeah, and, and more with uh, with the sport people go, they're transiting to Stig de Calais and becoming an artist more than the coaches. For the coaches, you know, what we did is we did a sort of a two-way approach. Yes, we recruited uh, coaches that had a long-term history in sport and were looking at it, you know, a professional transition. But this one was tougher because it was hard for some of those coaches to transit in 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 the uh in the um, city study culture and the circus culture it was it was easier for us to keep developing artists throughout their career at third and then we created this uh, uh artist coach program mm -hmm. which basically transfers some responsibility and then basically with some of these artists then they moved and grew Mm -hmm. Okay, and became and became coaches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those, we had two ways of of casting, you know, or or recruiting coaches, mm -hmm. which was preferable than on different sport community. Yeah, if we talk a little bit about coaching within Cirque, how did you manage the the evolution of the style? Because uh, if we talk, let's say, about the way of coaching of Sasha Moseyev or Kostya versus like what's <laughs> uh, what's considered acceptable nowadays, and also seeing the type of results that they were bringing and the reliability of the each of their acts. Like, how did you manage that? I, I think it's I think it's a combination of Cirque evolution and social evolution. Okay, when you look at that in 1984, when it when it started, okay, and when Guy uh, and Jacinta were casting people from the Eastern Bloc, they were coming at a specific moment with a specific social culture and with a way of coaching. Mm -hmm. Okay, this approach had an important impact, stick to Soleil result. However, society changed and mm -hmm. and. And the athlete change also with the society, and then stick the side change. So it took a lot of patience. Okay, um, you know, for, for, for me coming in at a certain point, and then okay, uh, uh, transforming slowly the approaches, and the approaches became more uh, to look at the coach more as a support and counseling. Okay, person than a hard-driven, coach-centered approach, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which, which now, at this time, okay, uh, while I'm not, uh, you know, any more part of it, the um, athletes are expecting this kind of approach more and more. Society is also expecting this kind of approach, less dictatorial, mm -hmm. okay, and, 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 and directed. Okay, and then also coaches have modified their approach. Okay, mm -hmm. in, in in consideration of all of these things, one has to recognize, however, at the time when when Sigvede was establishing his reputation, performance was a key element. Okay, recognized by 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 the public. Okay, so the, the approach taken at the time. Uh, was based on some of the way, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, more as I said, you know, coach, coach-centered approach, more, more, uh, 
direct and, and uh, tough. Uh, yeah, tough, tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially especially when you look at you know some uh, you know as an example in in, in Russian bar, Sasha was recognized to be tough. Mm -hmm. okay? And now you can have the same performance or equivalent performance, okay, with a different approach, and that's what is expected within the company from okay the sport people transiting to things today and from the society as well. And out of all your years, what were the challenges you faced within your own performance and coaching department? I think I think the the, the, the biggest challenge was to step an environment by which you know uh, the from my position, whoever was contributing, there was a, you know a, a a trust and confidence and an environment by which anybody could at the table you know basically give their opinion and then contribute to the evolution and the decision making. That was tough to create that team cohesiveness and and a sort of a safe environment by which the people can you know uh, uh, express themselves mm, that, was, that was tough well it, it, it's it's maybe maybe it's my coaching background you know the quality relationship between athletes and coaches is, is, is essential and and i even though i was in a vp position i didn't see myself as you know that person that takes all of the decision and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. I, 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 this was not my my way of looking at a a performing environment. Mm -hmm. uh, I prefer to have you know collaboration, cooperation, places where people can actually speak their mind. Uh, obviously, at the end of the day, I'm responsible. I was responsible that I would take decisions. Mm -hmm. um, that that was one of the big challenges. The other big big challenge was for me uh, uh, everything that was uh, related to uh, safety. Mm -hmm. you know, when you create a new show, you're proposing you know daring stuff. Um, sometimes things that you have never done. Mm -hmm. You see, Varakai as an example, Russian swing. Okay, yes. first time, swing first time, to the yeah, swing to yeah. swing. Right, then never. Okay, so. The, the the worry of mine was to go from this stand. Well, okay, they are they are good. They they they've never fell. Well, human is a human, and human is is uh, can face mistake. Mm -hmm. And if there is a mistake, well, then it could be dramatic. So this was hard for me to to uh, go from let's see a, a circus practice which sort of camouflage the risk at one mm. point versus putting the risk on the table and say, okay, now how do we address it? Mm. Okay, collectively, and what are the mitigating measures that we can put in place? Would you say that maybe some risk were a taboo? Yet yeah, talking to about risk was taboo, and I remember having a you know hard discussion even with Boris Bukowski uh, at one point, you know, let's see, take a... a uh, let's see, uh, will of death. Mm. Okay, you know, taking an act, taking people and say, oh, well, no, no, they've, ne they've never fell. Oh, well, up to the moment that they do. Okay, well, if they do, then what do we have in place, okay, to, to mitigate the, the uh, consequences? Uh, so so this, this was a hard uh, uh, 
inspire. And then we progressed really well on that. Mm-hmm. We progressed uh, in, in various ways. First of all, the way we built the equipment in terms of its quality and et cetera. We, we uh, evolved also in all of the uh, steps and progression that we took with the artists to ensure that we would go step by step and validate their ability to perform in various circumstances and environment. Mm-hmm. And then we progressed also in additional safety measures that we added. Mm-hmm. Okay, could be a lounge, could be a mat, could be a net, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of additional measures. Mm-hmm. Okay, when we could put that in place. Okay. Within this assessment, did it ever happen that you prevented an artist from progressing further? That you said, like, okay, you assessed yeah. that you're not you're not ready, you're not going further. Yes, and that was the the the, the rule. That was a dialogue, okay, and, and ensuring that before an artist would put a certain trick or a certain uh, a section of difficulty or acrobatic difficulty of an act, okay, that we would have validation. Mm-hmm. And then we would set the bar and say, mm, okay, going beyond that, okay, at this time, no, it's a no-no. Or even going beyond that even further, it is not necessary because it's not going to add anything else on uh, for, for the spectator's point of view. Mm. Okay, it's already showing, you know, an expertise and ability and, you know, competences and the talent of an artist. And it's sufficient, especially if you have to do that 10 times a week. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so we had, we had boundaries. Okay. And then the coach was in a position to set with the artist those boundaries. This is super interesting because I feel that, as you said previously, the reputation of sick was really based around the level of performance. That was <laughs> a, a excellent. So to know that even though the level was excellent, you were still slowing down some artists, like kind of saying like, oh, this is enough. You don't need to do more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because contrary to sport, where you're looking to maximal performance to get that podium, okay, presence mm-hmm. uh, at Zurich, it's it's not necessarily the point. Okay, the point is is to be at sub maximal, where you can control can control over time, mm-hmm. okay, and from day to day, okay. So 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 that was important for us to 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 step. Okay, this this those boundaries to talk about it to discuss. Obviously, you know, artists and then coaches want to to push. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they and they in fact will do over time. Let's see if third is here, year, year and a half, two years, three years, mm-hmm. where well they, they have created a complete expertise in that environment, then they can add, let's see, a triple triple back as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but that triple back will be added after also depth and proven ability to perform on a regular basis before mm-hmm. it goes in front of the public on the stage. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. And I'm sure, I mean, in your career, have you met a lot of aliens, like artists that would have abilities that would be so far <laughs> beyond the, the rest? Like I have a couple of names in mind, but are acrobats that you would be like, oh, they what they can do as that sub maximum level is so far ahead to like oh, it's, 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say i would say you know more than 70% of them are uh, at that level mm-hmm. basically what they do on stage is sub level for them 
but they but they can do more okay mm -hmm. and then uh, yes a lot of them you know i'm thinking you know Russian bar as an example you know the, the beauty of it the beauty of sig is that ability to go in a pool sport in various disciplines and take you know uh not only the good one, but very the, some of the best okay, mm -hmm. in their in their in, in their field, mm -hmm. uh, either on trampoline, on 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 tumbling, as example. And these people, once in a while, okay, with the agreement of the coach and the artistic director, will have this uh, royal version where they're going to yeah, push. Nice. Okay, they're going to push. Okay, the envelope a little bit, but they're not going to do that every day. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, they can do it for sure but they have to save themselves also in their ability to be on stage every day uh, either uh, you know for a tour or especially for you know uh, in in the permanent shows in Vegas where it's 10 times a week mm -hmm. yeah for sure and also sometimes they can build a special version of their acts and present them to festivals like if you're talking about Bonky yeah, yeah, and yeah. Russian bar like what they did yeah, in Monte yeah, Carlo yeah. yeah 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 actually <laughs> yes well, well, actually, it was always a challenge to get that gold medal that they would have preferred, but yeah. you know, that's, another, that's another environment of decision. <laughs> For sure. Um, before, before I let you go, just a quick question about the, the festivals. Like the, um, because back in the day, Cirque would put special version, like as you said, royal version of certain yeah. acts and send them to festival. Were these moves good moves for the company or were they more a way of like, getting credibility just among the circus community? I, I have a mitigated uh, opinion on that. I don't think it was necessarily the best move um, because in, in some of, of, or actually in most of the occasion, the occasion, the act should have won and they didn't. So, so the, the environment and the political surrounding did not necessarily allow Okay, Cirque Soleil to be recognized. And mm. So the community was more on a defensive mode. I think. I think then the decision not to be part of the uh, of the festival, I think, was a good one. Okay. Okay. And and in the future, I think to be part of it, it should be by invitation. I'm not sure it should be part of the competition per se. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, but it should be by invitation. It's it's hard to you know to um, reenact from a show and then and then to festival. It mm -hmm. means that this act won't be there for the public who pays mm -hmm. the ticket. Yeah, no, it's for sure. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Um, I have one last question before you go. Mm -hmm. um, if tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain? Cirque du Soleil to them? <laughs> what I would explain to them uh, as aliens is probably as, as they have in their community, they have incredible alien member. Yes. And we have incredible human member. And what they will see at Cirque du Soleil is those incredible uh, member of, of, of uh, the, the human species in all sorts of fields. Um, dancers, singers, musicians, uh, acrobats, circus professionals, uh, creators, and 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 for me, 
this is an example of of uh, is you know compact within Sagittarius is an example of what humanity can offer the best. Oh, that's amazing. But thank you so much, Brown. Thank you for your time. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you so much for everything you brought to the company over the years. Incredible company and incredible human being. <laughs> thank you very much. Pleasure. Bye, Bernard. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Pretty great, right? I mean, if some of you guys didn't know Bernard before, now you do. And if you're interested in Sigurdsson's history, he is indeed a very important figure. We're so lucky to have had some of the most iconic Sigurdsson's artists on the show. And I think it's also very important to showcase behind-the-scenes legends like Bernard, who, just as much as the artist, made the success of Sigurdsson. You can now take a small moment of your time to give us a good rating and maybe a little review on your podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. And now, my friends, that's it for today. I got to run on stage for my trapeze validations. So tune in next week. Until then, take care. Toy, toy, toy. And a big merde if you're having shows. And you know it. As we say in a circus, see you down the road.